Welcome to Principal Podcast. I am your host, Savannah Brown, here with co-host, Laurel Stanky. And we are also here today with the new principal of Bedford Senior High School, Mr. Weber. On to our first segment. And here's our first segment, Pal of Principal. Um, our first question for Mr. Weber, where did you go to high school? I went to Charlotte High School, which would be kind of similar to Bedford High School in that it's the bigger high school and a lot of the areas around it are a lot smaller. You know, one high school district. So everyone is in the same middle school, just a couple elementaries that everyone goes to the one middle school and then that middle school goes to the, the high school, which is a little bit different in the, than the district that I worked in before where we had multiple middle schools, multiple high schools. Okay, so kind of similar to Bedford, which is a good thing probably yeah. um, being a principal at a school similar to where you went. What college did you attend? I went to Western Michigan for my undergrad. Um, go Broncos. Uh, Kamloops is a great town. I encourage you guys to visit there and check it out. It's a great school. Love my time there. And then for my master's degree, I went to Concordia University, which is in Ann Arbor. And then I'm actually still affiliated with them. I do some on their education advisory board. How long have you been in education? This would be my 16th year after graduating from school, after college. And so I spent a little bit of time in Kalamazoo, and then 15 years in Wayne Westland Community Schools as a teacher, coach, and assistant principal and principal. Have you always wanted to be a teacher or principal, or did you want to be something else growing up? I wanted to be all kinds of things when I was growing up, but the truth is, when I graduated, I would have said I wanted to be a high school principal. So when I graduated from high school, I literally changed my major from pre-law to education like the next week. And so at that point, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't think I was going to be a principal this early. I kind of pictured it later in life, but that's not how it went. So if you wouldn't have ended up being a principal, what do you think you would have ended up being? Probably either a, a lawyer or doing something with athletics. I've always loved sports and coaching or being an athletic director, things like that. So why did you choose to come to Bedford High School and be our principal here versus of all the other schools that you could have chosen? Well, as I said, I've always kind of been involved in sports and in Southeast Michigan, I was very aware of kind of the community that Bedford is. And I was really excited about an opportunity to, to come and be a part of that community. And so being involved in sports, I knew kind of the how we have a big student section. I knew that there was a lot of community sports. Um, knew the students were um, really focused and, and wanted to, to just a really unique community, and I wanted to be part of that. So, on the topic of sports, you've talked a lot about them. So, I'm assuming you were into one or two in high school. So, what sports were you into? I primarily played football. I did a little bit of wrestling, but I, I had to kind of quit that. Uh, people wouldn't believe it now, but I wrestled at 112 pounds, and so. Um, with football, those are just kind of two competing things to try to stay that light and on football where it's helpful to be a little bit bigger. And so I had to give up one and football was always my, my favorite. So, but I really love all sports. Uh, I, I play everything from golf to racquetball to tennis, um, run, lift. There's no sport that I don't enjoy playing. So do you think that any of your personal experiences have helped you to become a good leader and a good principal of the high school? I would like to think so. I hope so. Um, school was a really helpful thing for me in learning who I wanted to be as an adult. You know, 
know, I love my parents, but just lots of teachers invested in me, helped me, they, you know, it wasn't just, they didn't just help me learn English or science. They gave me a lot of good advice, and that's kind of what helped me shape my life. And so, for me, I always say, like, school's kind of personal because I want to make sure that I'm doing that for students, uh, and I want to make sure our school's doing that for students as well. So, kind of getting off the topic of education and being a principal, let's transition to some funner questions. So what is your favorite band or singer? So my wife would tell you I am notorious for not having favorites of like anything. Like if you said what's your favorite food, I would say I like a lot, like whatever I'm about to eat right now. I generally really like country music, but I also really like Frank Sinatra's station and Jack Johnson's station. The old town road right now and even some modern like that like that I enjoy and so I really am pretty eclectic with my music interest and so I don't have like a, a single favorite. So then do you have a favorite travel experience you've been on because I know you told us a lot that you travel and you do a lot of traveling so. Yeah I like to do different things and so I love I probably prefer a really casual like just just somewhere where it's warm and there's water usually my preference but I also on the flip side I love to take little ski trips in the winter my daughter skis so we love and that was like the opposite right it's like we've been skiing when it's negative nine degrees outside and there's snow everywhere but um, and I enjoy going on hikes I enjoy like I said anything like water recreation but definitely anywhere warm tropical is always like probably my preference um, so talking about your daughter how old is your daughter Ava Ava is 10, and so I'm really hoping she, uh, she practice just got canceled for Friday, so she's going to come to her first Bedford football game, I think, on Friday, and so um, I'm looking forward to that, and she's really, she's really, really comfortable about it, so. Well, we would enjoy having her come to our football games. What, I know you mentioned cheer and skiing, but are there any other sports or activities that she is into? Yeah, she's going to do Girls on the Run. She has played soccer for a couple years, uh, but her cheer schedule now doesn't allow her to do soccer. And she's a huge reader. She reads all the time, all day long. She'll just read. She has read the Harry Potter series twice already. And she loves school. Um, she doesn't love math as much, but she's really good at math. But um, it's not her favorite thing to do, but she does it. So yeah, she's a pretty uh, eclectic kid. Like she'll do everything. Usually she did gymnastics. She loves going golfing. Um, she loves to swim. Like she'll never leave the water. If you like, you know. So she's a really just free spirit kid. Does pretty much everything. Well, that will conclude our first segment, Pal of Principal, and our next one will be meal time, and we will talk about different things that are going on here at Bedford High School. All right, time for the second segment of this podcast. We got mule time. So, uh, Mr. Weber, there's been a question that's been going on. We had a bond set up for air conditioning. Where did the money go? All right, so the bond process is probably important for students to know. Um, and I'm not 100% sure on all the details of the bond process here. Um, that's one of the things I'm still getting up to speed on. But bonds, after the bond is approved, that money doesn't show up instantly. Then you have a whole process of of bidding the money out, you have to actually like sell the bonds, that's a big, and there's some process to that that the school has to go through, like a really comprehensive like credit check, right? Like if you think of like buying a car or buying a house, they check your credit, 
Well, there's a process for that with auditing a school's financials. So, so think about all the money coming in and out of a school. They got to check all those things. And so the bond money is in the work. There's been plans. I've already looked at detailed plans for the secured vestibule. So basically we have a secure entryway for the front of the building where right now you have a person there and that's going to change. Um, and I've already looked at some of the different maps that they have for that and that's well under work. Dr. Schultz, um, the group of board members and some people are already working on that. Um, I believe the parking lot and the air conditioner are there, two things that are going to be coming up really quickly. Um, and by really quickly, that's we're talking though, like in a year or two. I'm not sure if it's next this summer we're going to start seeing it, and then you guys would see that in place next year, or if it's another year away. But I know those pieces are are moving. But even like that with a with a bond and with schools, when you spend that kind of money, you have to do things called bids. You know, you have to and then you have to do competitive bids, and there's a process. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to go buy it over here because I like to buy from this person. You have to publicize. Here's the work that we're looking to have done. Everyone's allowed to then say, here's how we would do this work for you. And then they have to go about reviewing that. And that's all public. And so the best way to kind of follow that is to track it on the, um, uh, our superintendent, he does, Dr. Schultz does a little communication on the bond update with people. So people can kind of track the progress. All right. So another weird money related question. So how much money do we still need for the permanent bathrooms for the community stadium? Because uh, I don't know about you, but porta potties are gross. <laughs> yeah, I saw the porta potties. Um, I don't know the actual dollar figure. I know that they're just getting going. There's going to be a big fundraiser um, as part of this, I believe, on New Year's. Um, they have a big way to kind of generate some funds with having a, an adult event for people to come to on New Year's. Um, and a lot of that, the proceeds of that are going to go right towards, um, what do they call it, the, uh, if a, 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 uh, the Royal Flush, you know, they want to get the money for um, for the bathrooms. And so that's, that group is getting going and they've been meeting, on, I believe, on Sundays at Sidelines. All right, all right. So are there any plans to make our school entrances more secure? Yeah, and so that's a big part of the bond. That's the part, one thing I talked about earlier, that they're going to have the secured vestibule. So essentially, once school started, there'll actually be two locked doors before you can go into the school. There'll be the outside door, then you can come into the school, and then you have to go into the office. Um, but the other door will be locked at that point. And so students in the morning will come in through both doors, but then that door will lock. Um, and then there'll be an upgrade of the security systems and things like that. So the final question for this segment, um, are there any plans to uh, try to stop vaping in the bathrooms because, you know, they kind of smell gross and it leaks out into the hallway a lot? <laughs> yeah, so vaping, that, that's an that's a issue going on um, kind of across the country. And I talked to the students about that when we had the rules meeting, talked to each uh, class of students about that. Um, and so, of course, there's going to be consequences as students do it. Um, but you also see probably a lot more staff going in and out of bathrooms now doing visual checks. And they've actually priced, there's vape detectors that can go in bathrooms. There's a product coming out. Um, and I've actually already got three quotes for, for that in our bathrooms. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen this year or if that'll come soon or if that's going to be part of the bond effort. Um, and so, but yeah, that'll be coming eventually with that if it continues to be a, a problem. All right, so that concludes the second segment of Mealtime. So the final segment is going to be what students want to know. We are back with our final segment here with Mr. Weber, and our final segment is what students want to know. So one question that I think is on a lot of students' mind, why do we have this new cell phone rule? 
So one is not a new rule. Um, I try to explain this to students when we had the rules meeting. So a long time ago when cell phones first came out and became a thing that students had, we're talking the flip phone days still, right? Um, schools all prohibited cell phones with students. They were just something that wasn't supposed to be in school and was seen as a distraction. But then cell phones became a little bit more ubiquitous, kind of everywhere you go, cell phones became more popular, right? There's more cell phones in a household than there are people in America now. And so schools started to allow cell phones to come in. And one of the things we started to notice was there was an increase in cyber activity, cyber bullying specifically, right? Um, if we get rid of phones and they're not available in school, if someone has a problem with someone, sometimes they just get some space and it goes away where when we have our phones with us all the time, it's really easy for us to take right to our phone or right to social media and put something out there that maybe we didn't want to. Um, and so that was a big problem. Also, cell phones are distracting, distractions. They, they're designed to capture our attentions. They're way more than just phones, right? There's apps, there's social media, all these things which are designed to suck your, your mind into them and get hooked on there. And so that, that's what happens. And so students get on there in the hallway, they tweet, chat, Snapchat, and then their mind is all about whatever is going on on social media, and now you're in algebra class and you're not really thinking about algebra. And so those are just too many distractions, and so we, that was something we kind of saw in schools and, and in Bedford here, and they had gotten rid of it. And so when that was shared with me, um, I agreed fully with that's kind of something we just need to kind of keep outside of school, before school, during lunchtime, and after school. I mean, even as an adult, that's something that, you know, I don't get on my phone for social reasons throughout the day. You know, I'm here, I'm working, I'm committed to my students and my building, and that's where my focus is. And so it's really how we have to function now. Okay, um, our next question, what really goes into calling like a snow day or a fog delay? So there's a couple of different components. This is usually a team decision. Um, transportation is a big part of it, the buses, um, you know they're going to look at the roads and it's not just the, like the road in front of your house is going to be all the roads um, as well as the buses and things like that um, but then there's also campus sometimes maybe some roads are clear but campus isn't as clear or as icy and so those are all things that have to kind of be weighed out and sometimes it's kind of a guessing game too like maybe there's a really big storm coming in at 7 a.m well, that's right when we start school. The decision to close school, we can't tell people at 7.05, okay, yep, that's it. the storm's here, we need to cancel school. You have to get that notice out earlier. And so sometimes, you know, the superintendent and transportation and people are going to start making decisions earlier based on just what they see occurring. So they may be looking at the weather a little bit west of here and saying, yep, they're getting hit really hard at 4 a.m. There's a good chance it's going to hit us hard, so let's just call it now you know, save everyone like the hassle of getting up and getting moving and then trying to get kids back. And so it's kind of a couple of different factors. And then of course, cold can really impact things. Um, how cold, you know, how long do kids sit at buses? You know, if they're walking to school, how long are they outside? What's that weather? Usually there's some pretty good guidance with that, with wind chills and things like that. Um, but then also just understanding, you know, how it's going to be through the whole day. And sometimes, like I said, buses and the mechanical parts of school sometimes impact that too. I know my daughter just had a, in her school district, she had no school last week because the, the rain caused a power outage and that caused a whole bunch of systems to not work in, early in the morning and so they had to call school. Do you have like a specific temperature cutoff they use for that either as a cold day or when we get closer to summer with no air conditioning as a heat day? Um, those are, so those are things the principal I actually don't usually, I'm not usually part of that call. Um, 
I'll be part of a decision, like working with Mr. Garman, as far as whether we're going to run sports, whether we're going to continue with field trips. Those are things that I usually make a determination for. But the determination to, to call school, that's usually the superintendent's decision, um, and he'll get lots of input from different people. Okay. And our next question, why do we have a hat and hood rule? Why are we not allowed to wear those here at school? So we want to make sure we can see our students. Um, and we also have cameras in school, and so we want to, be able to check cameras if there's anything we need to go back and review. And hats and hoods are one thing that make it hard for us to review things like that. I mean, if you were to watch um, like bank robber footage or things like that, you'd see a lot of times they're wearing hats or hoods to cover their faces and things like their heads. And so we want to make sure we can see our students. It's just a safety procedure. Okay, and our final question for this segment and this show, how much do the new water fountains cost and why are they not being put by the theater and sports areas? Um, I think each one is around fourteen hundred dollars. Um, plus, then you have to maintain the filters, and it's not so much that they're not being placed somewhere else. There was just really one, if I understand, last year that was in C Hall, and then they added another one down in A Hall, but on the north end. And so essentially, they're just kind of trying to. We don't have enough to funds for that project to put all of those throughout the school, so they're really just spreading it out throughout the school. So I'm sure when we look at a, you know, kind of look at a map of the school and see, okay, what well, was the next water fountain that might be a great place to put, um, be a little bit closer. And so it's not really they're being put away from the theater or away from the sports areas, as much as the C Hall was right there by the lunchroom, so it was easy access, centrally located, and now they're trying to make sure the northern end of the building has access to one as well. Okay, well, thank you for coming in here and doing this show with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And we will be back next week with another principal podcast.